Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out the link to my other podcast. It is called the Quipster Film Review Podcast, where I look at new movies that are out in theaters. Check that out at my website, Quipster.net. Today, I'm going to be looking at the third and final of the films in which there is a protagonist who is a master of disguise in a comedy. I just looked at the two Fletch films for my previous episodes. This one going off of a movie that kind of copies somewhat the Fletch formula in a certain respect. It came out the same year as Fletch Lives, the second Fletch film, and thus far the last one to have been released. Who's Harry Crumb is the name of the movie I'm talking about. It is a film that came out in February of 1989. It is a PG-13 rated film. It does have crude humor, sexual content, and brief language. The runtime is an hour and 34 minutes. The main star of Who's Harry Crumb is John Candy. Annie Potts, Jeffrey Jones, Shawnee Smith, Tim Thomerson, Barry Corbin, Valerie Bromfield are also in the film. The director is Paul Flaherty, and the screenplay credited to Robert Conti and Peter Wortman. Now, who's Harry Crumb? Uh, Before I get into the review, I just want to say it is a movie I did see in the theater back in 1989, being a fan of comedy and John Candy. But unfortunately, it is one of two movies in my entire life. And I've seen thousands and thousands of films in the theater. Only one of two in my life that I fell asleep watching. I think it was about a half hour in. I slept through the entire rest of the film. I There was just either something going on with me or there was just something going on with this movie that just lulled me into sleep. However, I did obviously just watch it for the course of this review. I had no problem staying awake, so it probably was just me. The other film, by the way, is The Royal Tannenbaums. So I can't say that uh, the quality of a movie has an effect. Who's Harry Crumb? It's a very silly slapstick comedy. It's in the vein of the... I think more of the later half of the Pink Panther films, the ones with Peter Sellers, essentially just straight-up comedy, where the most laughs come from how inane the filmmakers are willing to go to embarrass the protagonist. John Candy here, he's had a career up to that point, mostly playing comic relief side characters, or he ended up sharing the bill with other performers, but here he's getting to show what he can do in a movie that actually allows him to cut loose with his many comedic talents. His first headliner, I think, in films, you go back to his early career, Going Berserk, but he made that movie while he was a nobody outside of Canada. Candy is likable and talented, but it's just not enough to make this film worthwhile for anybody who's not a diehard John Candy fan. Uncle Buck released the same year, later on. That would be the one that would break him through to the mainstream. John Candy here playing Harry Crumb. He's the bumbling son who never quite lived up to the reputation of his sleuthing father and grandfather, the other Crumbs in the Crumb and Crumb Company. His family's longstanding detective agency, instead of running the company... Harry Crumb has been relegated to being a lowly trainee in the Tulsa office of Crumb and Crumb. Ineptitude is just what the CEO, the president of the company, Elliot Drazen, played by Jeffrey Jones, he's in Los Angeles and he wants to hire an investigator within the company for reasons of his own. Drazen flies out Crumb to Los Angeles knowing that he is completely inept in order to crack the case or not crack the case, involving the kidnapping and ransom of Jennifer Downing, who happens to be the beautiful heiress daughter of P.D. Downing, played by Barry Corbin, and his new philandering wife, Helen, played by Annie Potts. 
Crumb begins to use his penchant for disguises to get to the bottom of things, but the more he digs, the more in jeopardy he becomes. Now, as I mentioned, this is directed by Paul Flaherty. Flaherty worked on SCTV with John Candy for many years. He was a writer for that skit comedy show, along with his brother Joe, who is one of the main players in front of the camera, Joe Flaherty, of course, who happens to make a small appearance in Who's Harry Crumb. The direction in this film, I think in general from Flaherty, is about as clumsy and awkward as its main character. You have set pieces edited in such a way that it's really hard to tell just what's going on from moment to moment. So it's kind of a sloppy film in that fashion, and it doesn't hold together very, very well. The biggest draw, of course, to Who's Harry Crumb is John Candy himself. Candy felt that this movie would be the turning point in his movie career because up until then, he had very little creative input on the films that he made or the parts that he would play within them. So not only would Candy here serve as executive producer, he was working for his own production company called Frostback Productions. Frostback being, of course, the playful derogatory term for Canadians who emigrate to the United States. But this film would also be produced by Candy's friend, Arnon Milchin, who had made a number of very fine films up to that point. He produced The King of Comedy, Once Upon a Time in America, and Brazil, very high-quality films. Milchin had worked with Candy to ensure that the entire film would be molded specifically to his talents, and that included putting in a lot of physical humor, off-the-wall characters for him to play, and in addition... Candy would feel comfortable by working with other talents that he knew and trusted from his SCTV days. Candy here gets to utilize many of his comedic skills to try to bring out the comedy here, bring it up to life. Plenty of physical comedies on display throughout. Some of it's quite funny, such as when the klutzy crumb gets his tie caught into this industrial shredder that he tries desperately to get out before anybody sees him. Candy gets to don a variety of disguises and put on some very interesting accents, although like many comedies of the 1980s, some viewers might actually see these as examples of the cultural and ethnic insensitivity of Hollywood in the era. I mean, it's not a movie that probably would get away with some of this stuff today, for sure. Now, while Candy's sweet-natured humanity does come out underneath all of those characterizations, I think his main character is written as decidedly one-dimensional, and that forces the big guy to mug desperately for each forced laugh. Some of the jokes and the plot points, they make very little sense here. For instance, we only learn early on that Drazen is the one responsible for the ransom request, and he's hoping to use the collected money to lure the gold-digging Helen to his amorous schemes, but he is also shown to have this priceless 90-million-year-old pterodactyl egg in his possession that he keeps on his desk uh, in such a way that Crumb nearly breaks it several times before, obviously, he actually does. Now, if he sold that egg that was sure to break at some point, any point, all of this probably could have been avoided because he would have had the money right there. There's another sequence involving this air duct that happens to be big enough for someone the size of John Candy to crawl around comfortably in, but air conditioning is also powerful enough to shoot someone the size of John Candy through and out of the building. Seems hard to believe here, but you kind of go with the flow for the sake of the comedy. The Candy here is surrounded by a very fine supporting cast, I would say, all very appealing in their respective roles. I think the problem comes from the script itself, from Robert Conti and Peter Martin Wortman. Annie Potts does, I think, manage to give the best performance outside of Candy. She's playing the part of the scheming gold digger wife and giving it her sex pot all. She's very appealing in this role. Another actress in this film, known more today for her recurring role in the future Saw franchise, Shawnee Smith, she doesn't get to do as much comedically as Jennifer Downing's sister Nikki, but... 
She does make for a very fun and appealing sidekick for all of Candy's shenanigans. Laugh out loud moments can be had in Who's Harry Crumb, but they do require sitting through quite a bit of mediocrity before you actually get to those things. The score here is a little bit dated, a little bit cheesy, a lot of smooth jazz hounds on the funkier side by French composer Michel Colombier. Crumb does make better use of its soundtrack of already established hits. You have James Brown's I Got You that establishes the funky good time that is sure to come. The fast-paced holding out for a hero does punctuate one particular sequence. Bonnie Tyler, of course, provides that. There's one original song by The Temptations that ends the film in the end credits called Big Fun, Harry Crumb. It's not a half-bad song, so long as you're not expecting peak Motown at this point for this film. And by the end of the film, you sense that the people who made this film thought that this actually could be quite a franchise, but the movie was not much of a hit, unfortunately, in 1989. It debuted at number five in a struggle to find oxygen. There were other comedies that were out at the time. Three Fugitives and Her Alibi were fairly new to the theaters, and there were the continued long-term runs of Twins and The Naked Gun that were still in the top ten in theaters at that time. So all in all, in its entire run... It only raked in about a little bit less than $11 million. Candy himself was frustrated by TriStar Pictures' marketing push for the film, primarily because he was very involved. He had given him his own marketing ideas that included a variety of large billboard advertisements. They were rejected by TriStar. They didn't want to put that much money into it. And seeing how poorly... Their marketing only rubbed salt in the wound for Candy, who saw the film fail, and he felt partially it was because it was poorly marketed by the studio. They obviously did not have enough faith in the picture to promote it any more than they had to. Now, I'm uncertain of what the actual budget for Who's Harry Crumb ends up being. It was shot in Vancouver, which was saving the film some money in taxes, so maybe it didn't take a big bath, although they ended up having to do such things as pay for palm trees to be imported to give Vancouver at least the semblance of a Southern California vibe. Reportedly, there were some problems there with the weather. It was one of the rainiest periods in Vancouver in many, many, many years. Attempting to emulate the sunny California weather was even more trying because they had to wait for a lot of that bad weather to pass, and that caused a lot of delays in the production. Now, the appeal of Who's Harry Crumb as a film will largely be limited to just diehard fans of John Candy. So if you are that, you probably have seen this, and maybe you've seen it multiple times, and you probably find it very appealing because Candy gets to strut his stuff throughout. And maybe it's got some smaller appeal for those who just snicker at really dumb slapstick. I know that when I was growing up, my mother would probably have loved this movie. But otherwise, it feels a little bit too familiar after several better films starring the likes of Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau. That's iconic there. The funnier interpretation of this formula that I just talked about in the previous episode, Chevy Chase and Fletch of 1985, I think was very much a good representation of how to do this film right. Candy is a much better comedian and actor than this film would suggest, and it does continue to showcase that he's good at playing fairly zany characters, as he would so often do on SCTV. Nevertheless, The Naked Gun was, as I mentioned, still out in theaters at the time, and it did most of this in terms of the inept detective much better and in a funnier fashion, and it was still out in theaters, and I think watching that for a second or third or fourth time still yielded more laughs than watching Who's Harry Crumb for the first time. So for all of that, as much as I really like John Candy, 
I cannot recommend this film outside of his biggest fans. So two stars is the best I can give. Who's Harry Crumb? Two stars on my scale means that it is lacking something vital that keeps it from being a film I could recommend to most people. And that thing it's lacking is anything other than giving John Candy more free reign. The plot is not interesting, and there's just not enough funny moments to carry the giddiness all the way through the film. It's funny in spots, but not enough of those spots are there for me to recommend the film as a whole. So it's a misfire in many respects. So two stars is the best I can give. Who's Harry Crumb? Well, that concludes our look at the film's in which there is a master of disguise in the comedy in the 1980s. But as far as what I'm going to be talking about next week, well, I'm going to spin off from this film. I'm going to be talking about another movie that actually has a detective, just like Who's Harry Crumb, who is a master of disguise. In fact, the most famous of all master of disguise characters, played by Peter Sellers. I mentioned him earlier. This one is from the 1980s, even though this is a series that continued from, at least it started back in the 1960s, and It is the seventh film in the Pink Panther series, and the first one following Peter Sellers' death, consisting mostly of deleted scenes from his previous films. It is Trail of the Pink Panther from 1982, and that will be my discussion for next week. So check out Trail of the Pink Panther if you want to keep up with the movies before I get to the reviews. Until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. (laughs) 